Welcome to the MLB Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Averill, certified financial planner, certified private wealth advisor, former pro athlete, and the co-founder of AWM. I'm joined by my co-host, former Major League Baseball pitcher and certified financial planner, Travis Chick. Our goal on the MLB Draft Podcast is to provide you with the roadmap to successfully navigate the MLB Draft and becoming a professional athlete. You're going to hear from scouting directors, GMs, agents, former and current players, elite performance coaches, and of course, leading financial experts. What has traditionally seemed like a black box, we are going to bring to light the critical details you need to know to help you make the decisions that are in your best interest. So with that, let's jump right in. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. We are fired up uh, for today's interview. We have the privilege of chatting with 2019 first overall draft pick, Adley Rutschman, in addition to obviously uh, signing for a record amount of money. Adley uh, was a member of the College World Series Oregon State Beavers and winner of the Golden Spikes Award. And so just excited to share a real account of what it's like to go through through the draft um, from a player's perspective. So with that, Adley, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Eric. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah. Well, cool, man. We'll appreciate you doing this. Uh, I think it's one of those rare opportunities that uh, all of us as players, it, it's one of those things that it's like, I wish I would have known this going through the process and the fact that it's somewhat uh, of a fresh memory in your mind. You know, I would love for you just to start off, you know, sharing with us um, specifically if we can think about like a year before the draft. So this is you're sitting in a fall ball about to start the college season. You have all these crazy projections out there. Like you're the consensus supposed to be the first overall pick, yet you haven't even played an inning of of college baseball in your junior year. What was going through your mind? How were you handling all of kind of the big expectations that everybody was putting on you? Um, There was times where it felt like a lot to handle, but the biggest thing for me was just, uh, you know, controlling what I could control. That's the, that's the biggest thing. And just being able to, you know, close your mind off to the outside noises and distractions and really focus on the college season that was at hand. Uh, it's amazing how much uh, how much fun you can have when you know when all those distractions of social media and stuff just be kind of kind of become irrelevant and uh, you get to focus on uh, some of the best times of your life in college because once you get into minor league baseball it's uh, it's you know it's the same game but it's it's different you know <laughs> yeah no, no doubt I mean uh, I love it it's like it's cliche and the control what you can control but it truly is the most important thing. And it's interesting. You, you mentioned social media and those type of things. Can, how did you handle, I guess, who was in your ear? Were you on social? I'd love to hear that just as there's so many outside influences that try to come in, whether it's scouts or advisors or family or, you know, un, you know, newfound cousins and friends. How, how did you manage that process of who you let in your circle and whether or not you were on social? Uh, well, a big part of it for me was if I had a good game, uh, I'd get on social media. But if I didn't have a good game, I definitely didn't want to be on Twitter or Instagram afterwards. Uh, I remember seeing a DM someone sent me. Uh, I think it was in the winter before the season. And someone said, I hope you I hope you tear your UCL and break your leg this season. <laughs> and I sent it to all my friends. And yeah, you just got to laugh at stuff like that when it happens. And 
and understand that uh, understand that you're trying to have fun and you're trying to enjoy this. And as soon as baseball doesn't become fun and, and you have to worry about that stuff and you can't laugh at yourself when you make some uh, dumb mistake, that's when you got to be worried. But, you know, I had family that I had family who'd talked to me. Uh, definitely my agent was a, a big uh, part of that process and in, in helping me and uh, the conversations we had really, uh, really helped take my focus and put it on what it needed to be. And he was always that person that would uh, get me back on track when I needed to uh, needed to focus on the right thing. So that was that was a big part of it. But social media is just such a huge platform. So uh, it can be tough sometimes. Yeah. Interested to hear you talk a little bit about um, you, you talked about how valuable your agent was through that process. Obviously, you being a high, high end prospect very publicly from your freshman year on. What was that process like? I think a lot of our players that are listening to this and families, you know, I would say half of them have agents, half of them are still going through the process, at least for you and your family. How did you guys handle the agent process and what type of things as a player now, specifically having gone through the draft and in pro ball, would you encourage families to really value as the important things to look at when choosing an agent? Yeah. So first off, out of high school, I didn't have an agent. I was talking to the current agent I have now and uh, just going through that process as a senior in high school and comparing it to my junior year of college. Uh, hands down, I would say having an agent not only takes the stress off the player, and also an agent can do things that you have no idea. You, you know, I had no idea what I was doing. I can't talk to the Cardinals or the Orioles about uh, about how much money I want because I really have no sense or gauge about you know how much I'm worth, how much I can ask for. And honestly, when it comes to the nitty gritty of it, and you know where you're going to get taxed and uh, all the just the the monetary and the schooling and everything that comes with a contract i have there's i have no idea and no player really does so an agent just takes all that off the plate and i think uh for me it allows your focus to go back where it should and that's just the baseball aspect and uh you know an agent for me they filtered all of the information and uh and those calls from from scouts as well so it it, it made it a lot easier Hey, Adley, one of the things that you said is that, you know, you didn't really have an agent or I guess an advisor as you're kind of going through high school and ultimately you were talking with him and selected him. But, you know, talk about, you know, we what we see is that these high school and, and kids are they're getting scouted so early. So talk about when that scouting process kind of happened for you. And then, you know, you you took yourself from, you know, a high school pick to being the number one overall pick. So what was it that kind of changed that mindset? Was it a, a change in, you know, skill set? Was it changing, you know, some of the routines that you were making? But, you know, how did you kind of go from, you know, the high school player to the number one overall pick? For me, it was development. And I think that's the case with a lot of players. Some kids out of high school who are super high-end picks, they got that talent and they go straight out of the draft. And I think that's a good call. But uh, for me, and there's a lot of other guys who end up going to JCs and guys who just need time to develop their skills. They maybe have the raw tools or the power or the speed. Uh, but for me, college was the place where I really got to, um, you know, take that three-year window, make the changes I needed to. And because of that, I was able to just, you know, raise up the draft boards and uh, get to the spot I am now. So that to me was the biggest, biggest key. That's awesome. 
you know, one of the things that as I was kind of up, coming up through the system, one of the things that I noticed was about the players that really separated themselves that, you know, took themselves from a prospect to a legitimate major leaguer was really that that mental development. Um, so w- what has changed for you going from, you know, a college catcher where I don't, I'm, I would assume the coach called every single one of the pitches that were thrown, but what has been that mental development for you from going from college to the pro ball where I know you're having to actually call a game? Okay. So I think uh, the biggest thing as far as the pitch con goes is just uh, getting a sense of calling a game calling a game is is difficult but i think the the more it's one of those things the more you do the better you get at it uh getting a feel for the game and honestly during summer ball in college when i had the opportunity to call my own games you found that after you know three or four games you got in that rhythm and you became comfortable calling pitches i think from a a mental standpoint the toughest development that i went through was in college uh during my freshman year uh pat casey was our head coach and uh, he was he was more of a mental skills coach than anything even though he probably wouldn't admit it, but he was a motivator and uh, he taught guys how to, how to deal with fear, anxiety. And, and I think for you or for p- most players, that's the biggest block they have in order to, yeah, in order to achieve greatness. So, you know, just getting out of your own way. And he was, he was a guy who taught me that, but from the, you know, pitch calling standpoint in the minor leagues, we have scouting reports on every single guy. We have their hot and cold zones. And at that point, it just becomes analytics and just memorization. So it's it's not as much mental, like uh, a mental skill or mental toughness, as uh, as the changes I went through in college. But it definitely was a a big change. Adley, you you just finish up your first you know professional spring training and uh, had the opportunity to be around a lot of the the MLB players. From just your experience, what are some of the like key contrasts, if there are any, of just what it's like to move really being a, an amateur player to, to the professional uh, side of baseball? What, what were some things that have stood out to you in your early experience? Uh, I think a big thing, as far as my experience went, was just uh, the the energy in the games and, um, you know, just the, the, I guess, attitude towards each game going in. Uh, once, once I got to the minor leagues, uh, I was with the team for, I think at a maximum like three weeks this last short season. And because of that, I didn't know a lot of guys and, uh, you know, the friendships, the bonds weren't nearly as tight as the college bonds. Uh, you're playing every single day as opposed to maybe four weeks or four days a week in college. Uh, so, you know, guys are grinding. It's, it's a much, it's much more of a grind. And I know you hear that a ton, but, uh, because of that, I think, uh, guys, you know, if you hit a home run, that was the biggest, biggest difference. I noticed someone hits a home run, uh, the whole dugout isn't getting hyped anymore. Uh, it's not a, it's not a big deal, right? You're like, did it go foul? Did I do something wrong? But it's just, uh, it's just different, uh, because it happens more often. And, uh, I think that's to me the biggest difference, and I think that's why people say college is the best time of your life, or at least college baseball is the most authentic and uh, genuine baseball there is, just because you still have the energy and uh, it's you know just about winning at that point. So yeah, well, there's there's a lot more home runs hit now, so maybe it's not as uh, a, a unique time anymore in the dugout. But um, I'd like to shift back to, a little bit to talk about more of stuff the draft. Um, you know, one of the things that occurs is that you know, these scouts, most of them are going to get the in-home meetings. And I'm sure that a lot of that is 
uh, controlled over at Oregon State. But, you know, kind of talk about some of the meetings that you went through with the draft guys and especially being the number one overall pick. I mean, there was only probably three teams that would really even have a chance at getting you anyway, depending on who drafted who. But, you know, how did some of those meetings go? What were some crazy questions they asked you? What what information were they trying to really get out of you to make sure they were making that right pick? Uh, okay. First off, I really love this question because I met with all 30 teams. I met with all 30 teams in high school and I met with all 30 teams in college. And it's amazing how unique each organization goes about their business. Some of them have eye tests. Some of them don't. Some have uh, mental uh, health tests. Some of them don't. Some of them have 400 question questionnaires you have to fill out and they take like two hours to fill out. But a lot of the things, a lot of the things that uh, scouts try to do, especially with the Northwest and the area scouts around the country, they just try and get a sense of who you are. They want to. Their uh, goal is to have a relationship with you and get to know your personality. So when they get into those meetings uh, on draft day, uh, when they ask, you know, when the uh, big dogs ask them a question, they have an answer ready for them. They say, "This is this guy's personality. This is what he's about." Uh, so you really want them to get a sense of who you are as a person. And, uh, I mean, what, what you're all about. So, uh, I think some of the crazier questions I got, uh, were, I mean, one that stands out was, uh, do you hate to lose or do you love to win more? And that was one that really, really messed with my head a little bit because to me it's, it's both. And I, you know, and you got to answer authentically. You can't try and be someone you're not. Uh, so you just got to try and explain yourself the best you are. Also one I got was rate yourself on a scale of one to 10 on competitiveness, uh, work ethic. And, um, I remember on both of those, I said a nine and, uh, the guy was like a nine and I was like, well, yeah, he's like, why not a 10? He's like the last guy I just talked to said an 11. And I was like, well, you know what? He's lying to you. I was like, no one's an 11. If anyone says they're a 10 or an 11 or above, you know, obviously they're satisfied or they, you know, or they don't think they can work harder. And I think that, you know, baseball is a game you can never be satisfied in. So, um, you know, I'm always going to say a nine, I'll never say a 10, because once I say a 10, then, you know, that's the day I'll step off the field. So, yeah, I mean, those are some of the things that uh, stood out to me. Um, I remember the, the one thing I hated the most was someone tried to critique my answer in one of the meetings. They said, hey, uh, you know, you said this in front of me. And, you know, I just let you know, if you say this in front of other people, this is what they might think. And I got really upset because uh, it was it was like a, a personality and more so like a character thing he said. And he wanted me to be someone I wasn't. And that really made me upset. And to me, the person he wanted me to be was more like a little bit more egotistical. And the answer was a little more egotistical than I wanted to be. And I was like, I'm never going to say that. And I, and I hated the fact that he wanted me to say that. I was like, I don't care what you want to hear. That's what this organization wants to hear. Then please, please get me, you know, you don't want me on it. Yeah. So that was, that was my thing. But, uh, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of different personalities, uh, when it comes to organizations. So that's a big part of it is choosing the organization, you know, that fits with your personality and your values. Man, that that last point you made, I think is so important, not just for players to hear, but all of us, right? That a big part of who we are and the success we're going to have is based off of our character and, and staying authentically to who we are. Um, and I think it's, it's been a demonstration at least, uh, since we've had an opportunity to 
to work together is is watching you throughout this process was was the true humility right of not getting too high or not getting too low and and I can say that your statement of controlling what you can control is not just uh, some soundbite that you did it so well and I think a large part of that right has to be credit to to your family to your mom and your dad and I'd love to hear you just share for both the parents and the players talking like how do you how did you guys maintain like a good relationship between parent and son through this process when at the same time there is a lot of stress and anxiety and there are real business decisions to be made can you just share maybe you know you don't have to get into super personal details but just what's that family dynamic like heading into the draft and maybe some advice you could provide for the families yeah absolutely so one of the biggest things that my family preaches is first off trust. And then the next part, open communication, I think. And and we had that throughout the draft process. And that's why I think our family is so close is because the expectations of what we needed from each other were spoken and they were established early on. And because of that, uh, my dad knew what I needed. And uh, for him, that ended up being my dad would field a lot of the, uh, a lot of the calls from agents who would try and try and hit me up. Uh, even though I already had an agent, you know, agents would still try and uh, hit me up. So they, my dad would field all of those calls. And so that took some stress off me. And I really appreciated that from him. I mean, my mom was just there to support. And if I told her, you know, some days after a game, I didn't want to talk about baseball, we wouldn't talk about baseball at dinner and uh, whatever it may be. But having that open communication and the expectations made it so that we didn't have any of those blow up moments on each other. And uh, we maintained, I think, a better stress level throughout the process. And we were able to enjoy the end result more and the process leading up to it just because um, we had such a clear cut line of communication throughout the the whole thing. There was never any of uh, uncertainty. And if there ever was, we were able to talk about it and we didn't you know, hold it back and you know, talk behind each other's back and say, I wish they would do this. It was able to uh, be said in a manner in which people received it well. And that's really what it comes down to is uh, delivering, you know, your questions and your, you know, and those tough topics in a way in which the person's going to receive it better. That doesn't escalate the situation. So, yeah. Yeah. That's uh man, that's uh I'm not too sure you gave a advice to a draft kit or like marriage advice that I could apply. So I think, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was so good. Um, speeding up a little bit. Cause I think this, this is actually super relevant is we're, you know, take us to the day of the draft, because I think for a lot of families, right? Like there's this buildup of looking forward uh, to the draft and thinking, Hey, if I just get closer to draft, they all have a lot more certainty. I'll, I'll know what's going to happen. I find this comical because here you are that the industry saying, Hey, this is a consensus thing that's going to happen. I mean, while you had all of these meetings uh, leading up to the draft, can you talk a little bit about what that actual experience was the day of? Did you know you were going to the Orioles? You know, what what was that interaction like on draft day? Um, uh, yeah, it'd be great to hear that. Yeah, so this was this is an interesting story, actually. I had no idea the Orioles were going to draft me or not. And usually, from what I've heard, uh, I remember Nick Madrigal the year before, and I don't know how much of this I can say, but Nick, the year before, I think he had a good idea he was going to the White Sox. And I think he told us that a little bit beforehand. But uh, 
for me, draft day, I, I was, I went throughout the day and I had no idea. I, I was, you know, calling my agent all day and, you know, saying, had he heard anything? And he was asking me the same thing. We were both, uh, um, in the dark, but, um, and I, the thing was we were prepared for this because, you know, we knew, I mean, someone was going to draft me hopefully. And, uh, you know, I had done all I could up to that point. So there was that, there was that, you know, that comfort in knowing that, but, um, I didn't know until about 30 seconds before they called my name on TV and I heard it. Uh, you know, I got a call about, I got a call about a minute before and they said the Orioles are going to draft you. And, and that's when I knew I was sitting there. I was sweating for probably about an hour and a half before, uh, that meeting, all my friends had showed up. Uh, my family was in the room. And they were asking me, did I know? And I had no idea, um, which was, you know, kind of scary, but uh, it built that anticipation. And I think, I think that's definitely the way I wanted it to end up. But if I would have known beforehand, I probably couldn't have kept my, my mouth shut. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's a fond memory. So what what's fascinating, and I think everybody who's in pro ball or has experienced pro ball will tell you, get prepared for that the rest of your life. Uh, there is not a lot of uh, proactive communication and clarity of what's going on in, in pro ball. So it, it's a good, uh, it's a good training, but it was also, you know, I think probably the very first real tangible, um, this is a business and it's this really weird thing that somebody's now giving me an opportunity to fulfill uh, at least the to start my childhood dream of playing professional baseball and ultimately I know for you it's much bigger than just uh, getting drafted right it, it's probably being one of the best in the game but can you just talk about like how you mentally prepared for the they're trying to sign you for less money than you're worth and then your camp's trying to and what you guys ultimately did sign for the record amount of money um, that's ever been spent in the draft. So how did you handle that process of like wrapping your head around, around the economic side, the money side of it? So, okay. First, are you talking about like the post draft or? No. So I think uh, both number one, like in the process, right. I know that uh, obviously I've got some insider information that they didn't just come out and say, Hey, Adley, we're going to give you $8.1 million. Right. That that wasn't the first conversation. So walk us through what that was like, just hearing, going back and forth and the emotion around it and just your experience around that. Yeah. So it, it was kind of a whirlwind. So I think towards the end, about a week away from the draft, we had a good idea uh, from all three teams that they were very interested in. They thought um, if I was there, uh, they were going to draft me, at least from two and three. So having known that, it made it a little easier to to negotiate with uh, or to talk to uh, the Orioles. And, I mean, <laughs> the, I, the basically the second and third teams, uh, they were much more clear with uh, what they were willing to do and what they – uh, what they wanted to basically, yeah, they're, they were very clear about what they were uh, willing to do for me. And so that made it easier for the, us to negotiate with the, the top, uh, with the Orioles. Uh, <laughs> how, how much of this can I say? Because this is, I feel like 
No, no, no. It's great. And, and I don't think it, the, the, the numbers don't matter. You know, I okay. think just even what you shared right there is super, is super helpful, right. Of just going, you know, uh, because this is, this is real live experience that as players and families are listening to this to go, you know what, here's Adley who really from a consensus year standpoint, everybody had kind of assumed like this was a done deal. It was so clear, but what I'm hearing from you is, you know what, every professional team's different. Some of them hold their cards very close to their chest. Um, And even on draft day with five minutes left on the clock, they might find themselves in a situation with very little information. And what I've heard from you is it really came down to you, your parents and your agent, your camp was very prepared ahead of time so that it didn't become emotional. You guys had calm, cool, collected decision-making that it was like, Hey, you know what? We know what we're trying to do. If a certain organization doesn't want to meet that, that's okay. We'll move on to the next. And I think that's, is that fair to say? Uh, that's exactly right. I think, yeah, we, we knew it. We talked about this for probably a month before and at least a week before we had exact numbers about what we wanted. And because of that, when we got the calls, uh, the answers were already there. And we said, this is what we, this is what we want. This is what we need. If you don't want to do that, that's fine. We'll go to the next person. And there's, I mean, there's a, there's a strategy to it and, you know, there's definitely some risk involved. And so we had to talk about what kind of risk we were willing to take beforehand and knowing that some of the teams might not go for it. And because of that, you know, I, I think we, we played it pretty conservatively, but at the same time, we definitely, definitely took some risks, especially with, um, you know, especially with the Orioles, but it ended off, ended out good for for us and uh i think that's why it went so late too is, is because we you know we were ambitious and yeah but i think knowing that we had that set in stone beforehand uh definitely made it easier so yeah you're exactly right yeah it seems it seems very pretty obvious that you guys were extremely proactive in planning for that and, you know one of the things that we hear so often um obviously not from you through this is that, you know, a financial team is not somebody that you necessarily need to consult with before the draft. We can handle that. We'll wait. You know, what are some, it sounds like you had a pretty good idea financially. What are some of the things that you guys, you know, not number specific, but kind of walk us through that decision because that's really the decision that all these kids are out there listening to thinking through, okay, what is it going to take for me to actually sign? What, what are they going to start asking me, you know, how much money I'm going to take? Like, kind of walk us through that mindset of, of how you can, came to those numbers. Well, first off, I think meeting with meeting with agents, meeting with financial advisors uh, was a huge part of it because those don't cost anything. And that's just valuable information for both ends. And that, like, like I said earlier, the communication is just key. And there's a lot of things that I don't know that I was very enlightened to hear from my agent and financial advisors. And that happened for me before my junior year of college in the, in the winter and those conversations started. So that's, that's how I was able to get a, a better grasp and a better jump on, on things by doing that. But as far as, as far as coming up with the numbers, uh, that, that was just a lot of talks with, with, uh, family mostly, and then seeing, uh, and then just talking with financial advisors about how, um, how those numbers looked and, and mostly just deferring to them as far as what they thought was the, was the best option because, you know, I didn't know, but, uh, fortunately for me, you know, I, I picked extremely well and we were able to, you know, come to, you know, solid agreements on both ends and, uh, really, 
you know, find out what we, what we wanted and uh, our values ended up aligning as well, which was nice. That's, I think it's great advice. It's funny, even through, you know, my own playing career and this is like, I've never heard it so simplicity put of like, those meetings don't cost anything. Like who doesn't want free, valuable information that's going to help my career? I just, I think it was so blatant and simple, which is good. So you do all of the proper planning, obviously, because of who you are, where you're picked, the preparation, the structure of your signing bonus in the most tax advantage way. You moved residency. You actually did everything properly. You put yourself in the situation where you've now maximized this really insane amount of money for for a young person. You literally went from like, hey, I've got to ask mom and dad for some some lunch money to now being independently wealthy. And I know uh, from a humility standpoint, you don't see yourself as, as wealthy, but can you just share what's the right mentality or framework that you would encourage young players that when you go from like having no money to now all of a sudden you're a, a signing bonus baby, like how have you handled that mentally? And, and what's some advice you would provide for these these players that are going to walk into a significant amount of money. Okay. So I, I like this question too, because I got a lot of advice on this and a lot of this is not coming from, from my personal knowledge, but the biggest advice I got was treat yourself to something nice. Uh, get yourself that, that gift. And for me, I, I got a car and it wasn't a ridiculous car either. It wasn't a $200,000 R8 or, you know, something ridiculous. I got a you know, a, a car that for me is, is practical. Um, it's definitely like, I enjoy driving the car. It's a nicer car, but it's nothing ridiculous. And that was my one gift. And, uh, I think the biggest thing besides that is just, um, not changing your habits as far as your spending goes, uh, to a, you know, to a ridiculous, you know, standpoint, you know, I still, I buy the same type of clothes that I did now. I didn't buy a $500,000, you know, gold chain. I have uh, endorsement or not endorsement deals. I have uh, deals with, you know, I'm signed with Nike. And so I get some uh, merchandise through them and, you know, that doesn't cost me anything. And I think as far as like food goes, that's been the biggest thing for me that has gotten a little bit nicer, but I don't go to steakhouse dinners every night. I just get, you know, I get nicer food on a consistent basis from the store or, you know, instead of going to McDonald's, I don't have to go to McDonald's anymore. You know, I can go to shoot, I can go to an Italian place and get a, you know, a nice uh, chicken dinner or whatever it is, but not changing those spending habits from what you were to, you know, getting Gucci and Versace stuff. So if you don't need it, I mean, you know, some people need that, but uh, for me, I'm, I'm comfortable sitting in my, you know, in my Nike sweats. So. Yeah, I think it's pretty it's pretty obvious, you know, listening to this call, I'm sure every single scout that came in and sat down were like, man, this guy is an elite human being. And, you know, just everything that you've said today just kind of exudes that that easy confidence that you have in yourself and then that that easy track record of being able to be successful. I think it's going to play dividends for you in the future. So, you know, I, I think it's it's really interesting because one of the things that we talk about with so many of our guys is, you know, taking that money and using it to make your situation the best it can be in the big leagues or, you know, for the big leagues. And so, you know, one of the things that, you know, you hit on was meals, you know, in, 
you know, thinking through everything that you do in, in terms of how to be a professional, right? Like taking your mind on, you know, how you're sharpening your mind, how you're making sure that the food that you put in your body is the best it can be. What, who are you surrounding yourself with to create that pros mindset? Um, you know, I remember one of the, the ways that was described back when I was playing was you always wanted to be what's called a pros pro. And I think everything that you've shared on this call today is is you being that pros pro. So I think this is fantastic information to all these players to hear. Yeah. Um, okay. One more thing. I I totally spaced on this, but what I was trying to get at was just more alluding to the fact of you have this money and the money, like what I'm willing to spend it on is things that are going to help me get to where I want to be in my career. Things like like I was saying, meals. That's going to help me, you know, that's going to fuel my body for workouts. I'm willing to spend, you know, 400 bucks on a, on a nice, um, you know, hypervolt, something that's going to, something that's going to be there for my therapy for post-workout. I'm willing to, you know, stuff like that, stuff, stuff that's going to help forward your career. And, but like the material things is really what I'm talking about as far as the things that I would not change my spending on, would not change that, that spending bracket. So but anything that's going to help you forward your career, anything that's going to make it easier to get to where you want to be in your career, you know, that's what that money to me is for. So, yeah. Absolutely. Well said. Yeah. And uh, I think that's that's just a, a great reemphasis there, Adley, of something that you've laid out over and over again in this conversation is you have a very defined picture of what you want to accomplish. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of times we do see over the years of uh, a lot of times people are so focused of only getting to the draft. And it's like, now I get drafted. I've got some money. I buy a car and I, I act as if I've made it. But making sure you always keep goals in front of you, staying humble, staying hungry, you know, really focused on, Hey, I haven't arrived yet. Right. Where, like you said, essentially I won't be a 10 until they rip the Jersey off of, off of my back and my career's over. And so I think that that's obviously has served you well. It's going to continue to serve you well. And so we want to be sensitive to, to your time. This has been, I know uh, a lot of fun for us and, and I know will be very impactful for these families, but before we go kind of any last words that if you're sitting down, you know, if you were sitting down with a player who's going to be a consensus, you know, probably top draft pick, you know, they're going to be going pro the next year. Like what are the final words that if they said, Hey, Adley, you know, what's one or two pieces of advice that you would give me as I head into this draft? What would you tell them? First off, definitely focus on the team and being present every single day at practice and in the games, uh, because that's, where most of the enjoyment comes from. And I think when you have that perspective of, of the here and now and being uh, having that, I guess, selfless outlook as much as you can on just helping out your teammates and, and helping forward their progress, I think you'll find that having that mentality, you're going to, you yourself will play better. You're not going to be focused on your results and uh, you know, have a process for how you go about your business, have a, um, you know, don't, don't be results oriented, focus on the process and being the best you can every day, getting the most out of every day so that, um, you know, as you go throughout the season, one, you have no regrets Two, you're enjoying your time and, you know, baseball's still going to be fun and it's going to be probably, you know, some of the best times you've ever had in your life. And then, I mean, I think, I think that's, that should take care of, you know, everything that it needs to. 
You know, if you if you go about your business every single day trying to get better, that's all you can ask of yourself and that's all you can do. And, you know, any results that come about from that um, are just, you know, that's the result of your work and that's it. So um, that's that's basically all I have. But uh, definitely try to enjoy the game as much as you can, um, you know, during this season. So that's it. Incredible words of wisdom from uh, from Adley Rutschman. Adley, so uh, so much thanks for being on the podcast and wish you uh, the best of luck in the upcoming season. And for all the listeners out there, we appreciate your guys' time. We do this hopefully to provide value for, for all of the families out there. Of course, if you have any questions for us or Adley, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, all of our contact information is in the show notes. And until next time, stay humble, stay hungry, and exhaust the moment. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's show. We hope that you enjoyed it. Our goal here with the MLB Giraffe Podcast is to make this the go-to resource for all families and athletes looking to take their career to the next level. And so this show really is all about you, and we would love to hear from you. Are there any questions you have, topics that you would love for us to cover? please do reach out. You can shoot us an email at eric at athletewealth.com or travis at athletewealth.com. Of course, you can find us on social. We're on all the major platforms at athletewealth. And if you'd like to set up a phone call with us, you can reach us by going online to athletewealth.com and you'll see right at the top of the page, there's a button where you can schedule a call directly with us. And so we would love to hear from you. And until next time, stay focused, stay hungry, and be a pro.